This is Ryan with season two of 50 States of Mind. I just wanted to say a thank you to everyone that's left us a great review. It really helps us expand to new listeners. If you hadn't had the chance yet, you're in luck. We have a goal over the next month to get 50 new reviews on Apple Podcasts. So if you can leave a five-star review and write down a state that you loved hearing about, someone that helped challenge your preconceived notions about a particular part of the country, it would really help us achieve our goal of getting people to understand America just a little better. Are you ready? Let's go. This is uh, a really exciting episode of 50 States of Mind. We're still in quarantine, so everyone's phoning in, and I have a very, very special guest today. What's your name, young lady? My name is Caroline Lyle. Lyle Lyle the Crocodile. Exactly. Have you ever heard that before? I have, but most people mispronounce my name because it's spelled weird. What are they? So I get Lyle. Um, I like Lyle. It's just, yeah. it's slicker. It's all of my teeth and my beady little eyes. Yeah, the way you devour like huge amounts of meat. Um, I eat raw chicken. <laughs> already going completely off. Yeah, this is great. This is really good. Um, so, Caroline, where are you joining us from right now? I'm joining you from Mobile, Alabama. Amazing. And you're back here because this is where you grew up. Partially. So I spent the first 13 years of my life in Mississippi. I have a weird backstory. Um, I commuted from Mississippi to Alabama to go to school from second grade onwards. And then after Hurricane Katrina hit in 2005, our house got destroyed. So since we already were going into school in Alabama, that's where we moved. So technically, my family's been here longer than Mississippi. Okay. Do you still feel like you're, um, would you call yourself a Mississippian? Like at heart, would you say I'm from Mississippi or are the places similar Mm. enough that you feel like you kind of share them? I wouldn't say that they're similar, to be honest, depending on the room. Um, I'll just say whichever one works better. Like when Roy Moore was running, I was like, I'm from Mississippi. I don't know what Alabama's doing. (laughs) And then if someone else messes up, I'll just use the other one. I don't want to have an awkward conversation with a complete stranger trying to explain deeply embedded political issues in like 30 seconds. Right. Well, that's why we have this whole podcast to explain deeply embedded political issues in 30 minutes. Yeah. I think you're my only friend from Mississippi or Alabama, not by choice. I just don't think I know anyone else. (laughs) So you have a huge responsibility here to help us overcome our preconceived notions because I loved visiting Mississippi and I loved visiting Alabama. Um, I actually stayed with your mom and probably in the house you're in right now. Mm -hmm. And she was an incredible host, really kind of supercharged the trip in a lot of ways for me. So I just want to ask you, like, what is it like growing up in the South before you left and knew that there was anyone had any preconceived notions about it? I would say that coming from the perspective of someone who's grown up here, it's very much community oriented. Everyone will make you feel welcome. There's an emphasis on being polite, but genuinely polite on manners. I know that a lot of people think that we have two teeth and wear no shoes, <laughs> um, which I can get into that later. Um, I've had people ask me that. It's it's very much a community feel. You'll always feel welcome. Everyone's very hospitable. And I especially felt that after the hurricane when we were homeless. People that were my friends from school said, what do you need? I stayed at my friends' houses. People gave us food. They helped us find a place to live. It's just, and especially... You know, now with the coronavirus, people just really are putting an emphasis on togetherness. 
So I think a lot of people don't realize that Hurricane Katrina hit more than just New Orleans. Yes. So the main issue with New Orleans was it actually didn't get the brunt of the damage. After a while, it was okay. It's the levees broke and that caused all of the flooding. Mm -hmm. And that's what it was. It wasn't necessarily, I mean, technically it was a hurricane, but it was the flooding that was caused by breaking the levees. Mississippi, where I was from, um, my house, we were probably like 20 feet away from the water. It was all destroyed. Everything that you went by, like if you went down that whole strip of land, it was completely destroyed. Um, Biloxi was destroyed, Ocean Springs and us. And then thankfully where we went to school, which was only like a 45 minute drive away, it was further inland. So they were okay. We were just right in basically the center of the storm, just decided to hit there. So that was not fun. We didn't know where it was going to go. We thought it was going to go towards Texas. And so then I woke, uh, my mom woke us up at 5 a.m. and was like, get everything that you want in a trash bag. And then we have to go like right now. And so my dad had to stay at the hospital he was working at because he was on call. So then we had like 20 minutes, packed up everything that we could, got the dogs, and then we... um evacuated to Jackson to my aunt's house, which is about three hours away north. And so there was sort of a question while you were in Jackson, is the storm even going to hit my neighborhood or was? No. So we, we waited. I mean, I, we pretty much knew. I remember getting in the car and my mom being like, wave goodbye to the house because we are not going to see it when we come back. Um, we That's why we left so early is because I think the storm moved and we were like, it's going to hit us if we stay here. I mean, if we would have stayed in my house, we would have died. So we had to leave. Wow. And then did you ever go back to your neighborhood and see the site and kind of come to terms with it? Yeah, we went back to see if we could find anything. Um, we found our cat. Our cat had left. We tried to find her the day before. And so we went back like four days later and she was alive. So that was good. Yeah, we just kind of picked through rubble for a little bit. Caroline, most of the time on this podcast, I want people to talk about a state and their preconceived notions of it that they don't really know much about. But I think because I don't know a ton of people in the South, I don't know a ton of people that can actually speak to the nuances of a very complicated, I think, you'd agree, misunderstood part of the country. Mm -hmm. The state I've chosen for you is the state mm -hmm. of M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. -S uh, but see, it's actually M-I, crooked letter, crooked letter I, crooked letter, crooked letter I, humpback, humpback I, something that they don't teach you. I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't even know there You've were never heard that? crooked letters. No. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's a, it's a thing that people go, am I crooked letter, crooked letter I. Okay. Sorry. That's, that's another story. What does a crooked letter even mean? S. Oh, S. S. Oh, <laughs> yes. Got it. Got it. Got it. Crooked letter. Yeah, and then, crooked Hillary. and then humpback. Cause it looks like a, a whale camel, I guess. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. no, do whales really have, do humpback whales really have like a hump or are they just large? You're asking questions beyond my pay grade right now. Um, <laughs> sorry, this is... <laughs> yeah, this, this isn't working. <laughs> I'm sorry. So tell me what it was like growing up in your community in Mississippi? What was what was your upbringing in Mississippi like? Um, hmm. It's very family oriented. My grandparents lived very close to us. My mother had grown up there. My grandmother had grown up there. My great grandfather um, had built a shipyard that was used in Pascagoula. That's where I'm from. And my family had been there for quite a long time. So, um, and basically everyone knows everyone. If they don't know you, then they know your mom or your cousin or something. And I swear to you, I have like 30 cousins. And is it a, is it a pretty place? Um, sort of. 
<laughs> I'd say, um, no offense to Pascagoula, I'd say Mobile is definitely prettier. Um, Pascagoula does have a beach. Um, there's a lot of really old oak trees. There's actually a famous plantation house called the Longfellow House that um, is there that's very pretty. Um, but yeah, Pascagoula is very much a smaller town. Um, but I'd say the beachfront is really pretty. Mm. And can you dive in real quick to uh, the, would you, is it the debutante culture? Yes. So that is, <clears throat> that's pretty much all over the South and some parts in, in Northern Mississippi. But I mean, they do, they have it in like New York and Massachusetts, right? Um, if they do, I've never been invited. <laughs> I mean, I haven't either. Mobile in Mississippi is probably different than a couple other places because Mardi Gras is celebrated here. Don't let anyone in New Orleans tell you this. Don't let them tell you that they are the city that founded Mardi Gras. Oh, your mom let me know. Big fat liars. Yeah, I went they're to the I went to the Mardi Gras museum in Mobile. They set me straight. Good. They actually they made a billboard when you're entering New Orleans now. That's like congratulations, you were like 150 miles away from where Mardi Gras was born. <laughs> Visit Mobile, which is so petty. <laughs> that makes me love Mobile even more. I know. Um, but yeah, debutante. I think it started in the beginning as more of a thing where eligible women in society would be brought out and they would be able to meet single eligible men. But um, I would say that it has less of the of the antiquated notion that you do this to find a husband, mm -hmm. because I don't feel like that is necessarily there. You do that to meet other people in your community to celebrate Mobile's history, to celebrate the history of Mardi Gras. And again, it's just like a big community party. I think of it less in the patriarchal sense of I'm doing this so I can find a husband because, I mean, everyone that I did it with now has like successful careers or they had already met their husband or boyfriend or whatever before that. Maybe you're just trying to find a lay. I mean, I, I'm not going to judge. <laughs> I mean, whatever works for you, man. Yeah, everyone's liberated. Um, so you left Mississippi and you've lived a lot of places. You've lived in New York. You've lived in mm -hmm. Glasgow. And now Ooh. you live in Chicago. 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 Yep. Did you encounter certain points of view about the South when you told people you're from there? And were you expecting that? Um, I kind of was expecting that. So my first year of undergrad, I actually went to school. I'm not going to say which specific one, but I went to a school in Massachusetts. And I left after the first year just because it was so much of a culture shock for me. Because when I got there, my accent was very different from what it is now. I did not know the difference between 10 and 10. I, I just said them both. <laughs> the same way so people thought that was hilarious people asked me if i had running water if i like i wore shoes did i go to school and i'm thinking my dad is a physician and i got into this school this i we're the same we both got in um so it was i think that kind of just prepared me for whatever other sort of preconceived notions people may have because I got a full brunt of it for about a year. I feel like people in New York weren't as, yeah, it was never as bad as when I went to Massachusetts. And maybe that was because I had fixed my accent by then. Glasgow was probably the most interesting because if I talked about Alabama, they're like, oh, that's amazing. They didn't have any, any sort of prejudice against or like thinking that people were stupid or anything like that so that was very interesting so they're just kind of curious about where you're from yeah all the baggage wasn't as charged no so you actually made a decision that you were going to change the way you talk to fit in more in the north yes what was that like and that's that, like straight out of my fair lady it is 
But it's also, I mean, I've seen it, especially I've lived it for a full year when I went to school. No matter how intelligent you are, people are going to judge you the second you open your mouth. And I knew that if I wanted to have a career as an actor, I had to learn how to get rid of that because it's just something that's been ingrained in our society. And I always tell people this, I say, name me one movie where there are people who don't have a Southern accent and someone that does. And that person who has a Southern accent is smarter than everyone else. Can't think of one. Silence of the Lambs is the only one I can think of. Jodie Foster. Yeah. Clarice. <laughs> but that's that's it they everyone's fine with with to kill a mockingbird where um atticus you know is the smartest person but he's surrounded by southerners i can't really think of instances where people would look to someone who is from the south or with a southern accent and see them as someone who is more intelligent than them and why do you think that is hmm, it's a very interesting question i think because we don't place as much of an emphasis on education. I mean, Mississippi and Alabama are not ranked that way, but I think that mostly comes from the fact that a lot of people struggle with poverty and it's an issue that's just kind of swept under the rug here. And it's easier to say, oh, well, they're all just backwards and stupid. That's just the way that they are instead of actually putting in change to help it. Because I think people would be surprised how many intelligent people come from the South. I mean, you went to Oxford, William Faulkner, Tennessee Williams, Flannery O'Connor, these great people of literature that we still read even after they're dead are all from the South. Do you think if more people visited Mobile or Jackson, they would walk away with a different impression? Yes, I, I definitely think so. I um, So my boyfriend is Canadian and he is here with me now. And we went to downtown Mobile and he was like, oh, it's beautiful. He's like, it's completely different from what I would think it would be. Um, I think if people came and visited and actually got to meet real people, not just people that you see on the news that people take for sound bites or people that play into the stereotypes. If you meet actual real people, I think you would be pleasantly surprised. One thing that people are um, genuinely taken aback by is the amount of hospitality. I'd say that's the biggest thing in the South. And I did not, I will say, going to some states up North, I have not felt that. I am um, very used, especially when I live in New York, you're very used to being like by yourself in your own little world. You don't say hi to people around you, you don't make eye contact, you keep going. And ever since I've been home, anytime I walk outside, everyone waves to you, everyone says good morning. It's just very welcoming. And I think people would be surprised by that. Because no matter where you're from, if you come and visit, people will literally give you the shirt off your back and give you food and let you stay at their house. Even when I stayed with you know your family, they did show that to me. They did take me out for a great meal. They did connect me with people and made sure that my trip was going well and introduced me to people and take me to museums. And that didn't happen in a lot of other places. So I think that sort of cultural value is something that I hope will no longer be overlooked about the South because it's it's a place I want to go back to. It was a place that I felt really, really welcome and even thought about like, oh, maybe I could come down here. And I love a Southern accent. I'm so sad you don't have it anymore because it's like ASMR to me. If someone talks to me in a Southern accent, I'm like <laughs> mouth agape, drooling. like. <laughs> Well, it depends. It depends on which accent, because there's like <laughs> Alabama sounds very different from like Swamp People, <laughs> yeah. which is a TV show. I mean, like like super Cajun. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, if I have to stay here any longer, it's probably going to come back a little bit. I mean, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. That's maybe bad for my career, but for now. So last question before you go into the recordings. Um, I, I was talking to a friend the other day and he works in politics and we were having a few drinks and we were talking about the state of politics in America. And he said kind of mm -hmm. offhandedly, Wisconsin is a racist state, which for mm -hmm. me is crazy 
because I grew up in Wisconsin. My family's from Wisconsin. Wisconsin mm-hmm. is not a, a racist state. You know, they have a black lieutenant governor. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's it, it, there's racism in the state, but there's a lot of good stuff yeah. going on. And it kind of got my back up a little bit uh, when he said that. Yeah. What do you feel? How do you qualify when people say, OK, uh, the South is racist um, the South is backward. How do you deal with, deal it? with yeah. it? I mean, people will base that on history because of the Civil mm-hmm. War. That is, I mean, the one thing people think of is the South Confederacy. The whole thing with slavery and with Jim Crow and all of that other stuff. Um, but it's it's really hard because it's not. I don't think people realize that racism isn't just a regional issue. Mm-hmm. That if you go to Massachusetts or something that, oh, suddenly it's not racist just because you cross the Mason-Dixon line. Hmm. Like that is everywhere. And whether or not you choose to acknowledge that is your own personal problem. And I think because, well, I mean, if you're, if you don't have access, if you don't have access to a Southerner, um, it's difficult because you're just working on preconceived notions. And to go back, okay, now that I realized you talked about how offended you were when someone said Wisconsin's racist. And it's just like a blanket statement. I think that's what hurts the most is for you to automatically have a judgment on a place that you may have not even been to. You probably don't know a lot of people. You don't know anything that's going on at a local level. So for you to just say, oh, just an entire state full of people that you have never met in your life is completely racist. (laughs) That is very, very entitled and prejudiced for you to say, in my opinion. Totally, because uh, it's also assuming the place you come from is not racist at all. Exactly. And what is racism but just an illogical hatred of one specific person? Yeah. Natchez, Mississippi has an African-American mayor. And a lot of places would surprise you with how inclusive they are. This is something that Ron touches on in this recording that you're about to hear. So uh, your mom, when I was staying in Mm -hmm. in Mobile, put me in touch with uh, the dean of the law school at Ole Miss, Mm -hmm. which is your alma mater. Yes. We love Ole Miss. Um, Beautiful town. And he is a northerner from Indiana who lives in Chicago, who moved mm-hmm. to Mississippi. And I thought what he had to say was really interesting about his preconceived notions and how living there mm-hmm. will sort of turn it upside down. So let's give that a listen. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the misconceptions about Mississippi compared to your experience with Oxford? Uh, sure, absolutely. I, I mean, I think even when I came, I think the first time I came to Mississippi probably was for the interview here. Um, and I had, the, and, and there, there is dire poverty in areas of Mississippi. Uh, and, but I somehow, I, you know, I picture the whole state that way and it's not. Uh, and you think of the civil rights strife that was so, Mississippi was so central to it. Uh, and you're worried about racism and such things. And I, and I find, I, I, I was actually struck by the tremendous interaction that I found between, uh, black Americans, white Americans, Mississippians, let's say black and white Mississippians, uh, when I came here. Someone explained to me the tradition was, you know, even though there was there was terrible segregation, uh, you still grew up around other kids. You didn't have the neighborhoods as much. It tended to be a wealthy house and a poor house right next to each other. The mm-hmm. kids still kind of played together. My kids go to public school, have gone to public school, they've got one left in, in uh, high school, uh, that are, you know, 50-50 in terms of race, racial mixture, and they so they have friends and they make friends and they in a way that you know, I I didn't have growing up in Indiana, um, and so this, this I, I think there is a misperception 
about race relations. There's a misperception about uh, poverty being everywhere. Again, certainly we have poverty. Um, and, um, and, and then you take Oxford, Mississippi, which I think a jewel uh, put anywhere in America, any state in the nation uh, would, would love to have a, a town like, like Oxford. Um, it's, which has um, you know a great um, academic institution that brings in arts and brings in sciences and SEC sports and a tremendous literary community uh, you know with, with writers from you know Faulkner to Grisham and everybody Larry Brown everybody in between mm-hmm. uh, and it's sort of a joke in, in Oxford you know you're supposed to write a book if you live here <laughs> and so and so I felt like I had to <laughs> it's a true writer's city. Well, you think about a place like Chicago and the segregation in a place like Chicago and then the segregation here in Mississippi. Could you compare and contrast those two cities? I mean, they're, they're so different in, in, in you're from, from a mega city like Chicago, which I still love. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, but in Chicago, my experience was there tended to be areas that were all white and there are areas that I didn't go on very much because they were all black and dangerous and scary. And you stick me. out as an outsider. So you, you, so you stick yeah. out, and, and so you stay away. And so there's not that interact. And, and that's and certainly in, in Oxford, you couldn't do that. I mean, they're, they, they actually there's a, a thing here. You, yeah, you probably don't know about this, but it would be interesting. Uh, in order to stay away from a black school and a white school, which is easy enough to happen generically, even if you're not trying to create those, Every kid in Oxford goes to the same kindergarten and the same first grade and the same second grade, and they're they're it, it, it gets a little silly at some point where I think we have kindergarten, first grade in one building, second and third grade in another building. It's and, and and there was one point with six children where if we missed the school bus, my wife and I had to drop kids off at five different schools. <laughs> but you know the upside of that is there, there's no concern about this school's funded better than another school or whatever. Everybody goes to the same. If you're in third grade, you go to, to this school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, can you talk about uh, other places that you might have traveled in Mississippi and how they might be different from Oxford? Well, you know, I mean, I think every place has its unique charms and, and different things. I will say that uh, there was concern at one point about relocating the law school. Uh, to Jackson, my wife made my wife who grew up in Memphis, who's both of her parents are Mississippians. Um, she she was very reluctant to leave Oxford. She she felt that that what we have here in terms of safe neighborhoods, good education, support for kids, activities for kids, the culture that that comes in, um, it's hard to match. Certainly in a small town. And by the way, when I talk about public schools, what you know. Why public schools in Mississippi? I mean, nobody's going to think about this, but you realize a small town, a major university full of faculty members who demand that for their children, who are involved and invested in the public schools for their children, and so volunteer and teach courses for their children. Huh. Uh, you know, and, and so you get uh, this tremendous interaction there, which means we have really good public schools, which, among other things, certainly if you have a family like mine, it changes the economic dynamics. Um, when you're looking at where you want to live. Um, and I, I think particularly as an educator at a, at a law school, uh, and I, by the way, a lot of my friends strongly disagree with, a lot of my colleagues disagree with this, but I don't think it's my job to make my students see my political viewpoint. I mean, you know, it's, 
It's a matter to get them to think. And I have very good friends on different sides of political questions and, and things, and, and we can still be friends. Exactly. I, uh, I once had a professor at Northwestern who, after the 2012 election, walked in and said, we won to this group of writers. Like, we all were... We we're all Democrats. We we're yeah. this is we fought the evil Republicans, and even though at that time I considered myself a Democrat, I'm like, who are you to come in and just ascribe a political belief to a group of writers because we're writers and we're supposed to be free thinkers. We're not supposed to be in one box. And I thought that was, in hindsight, I just realized how wildly inappropriate that is. Yeah, no, I've I've been in parts of that too. Always one time with the you know I. I uh... I used to teach environmental law, and I was with a group of environmental lawyers, and, and I remember one time one of the, one of the professors talking to a guide, we were going on a tour guide, said, said uh, oh, don't worry, we're, we're all Democrats, we're all smart, <laughs> we're all educated, we're smart. So I'm like, I'm like what? It, 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 you know, and, and I actually, uh, for a while, was involved with Sierra Club here, and then I realized Sierra Club was becoming more political, uh, Events, political party than than an environmental party, and then that, at least the meetings I went to, that bothered me. Mm -hmm. um, uh, my guess is that my political persuasion is comes from a different direction than yours in general. Well, I you know, joke, I'm fat white and from Mississippi. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you, know, you can probably figure from there. <laughs> but but by the way, you know, not all my children agree. You know, and um, and and certainly not all my friends and. And and I and I have former students who who hold office as Democrats who I vote for, um, and have voted for, and will again. We have a Northerner who has become a Southerner. What did you think about what Ron had to say mm -hmm. about Mississippi? I loved it. I think that's his perspective is so nice because again, for people who have not visited the South, that's someone from Chicago who now lives there and has a family. And I think Oxford is just one of the most beautiful places in Mississippi. I think it's a great representation of community, of a blossoming, just uh, like writing mecca that it has become. And there's all sorts of different people. The school is wonderful. I And I also love the fact that they have, I know you said it was a pain if you missed the bus, but how everyone's in one kindergarten, everyone's in one first grade. Just again, that sense of inclusion and community is so nice. If I was ever mayor of a town or something or head of a school board mm -hmm. or superintendent, I would look super seriously mm -hmm. at that idea because it's oh, yeah. amazing. That's great because that, that, um, that forces you to be with, especially at an age when children are just innocent and their minds can be shaped by prejudice or something like that, they can all be together. Exactly. And you know everyone and in your town then, you know, I like if you're like me in yeah. high school, like there was a hottie at a different high school that I had to find a way to get to. I didn't have those connections. I had to get on MySpace <laughs> or Facebook and find the way. But if, if I was in Oxford, just I would have had everyone at my fingertips. Yeah. You know everybody. Yeah. But then you grew yeah. up with all of those people. That was the thing. I went to the school with the same people since like fifth grade. You oh, that's don't a good point, actually. Of them. But then if a transfer person It's comes, like a, a hyena among lions. 
and you know, the parents that are super involved, then, you know, have to get super involved in that mm-hmm. school. Like you don't have a choice or it is, it is a university town. I mean, Oxford, like very much mm-hmm. an academic town. I mean, there are parts, if you go further out, there are parts that are very poor, like he said, and there's a lot of community outreach that happens in Oxford to help those affected areas. So I just, I really like his perspective. I I just realized I have to tell you a story. Um, You just reminded me while I was staying in Oxford, I didn't know anyone in Mississippi Mm -hmm. that I could stay with. Um, So I just got a hotel. I got a Uh motel specifically, a motel eight. Yeah. I got a bath bomb from Walmart. You know, the Walmart. And mm-hmm. got some Thai food. Yep. Came back. Mm-hmm. Is it Wait, by Wait, did Walmart? you go to Rice and Spice? Yeah, I did. It was really good. Yes. I friggin' love that It was amazing. Okay, continue. Um, so I check in at the motel. Yep. The lady gives me a key. I go with my Rice and Spice mm-hmm. to the room that she's given me. I open okay. the door. I push it open. There is a naked woman sitting on the bed, probably about no, six years old, no, covered in like no, food and wrappers. No, and she no, has no, the no, no, emergency no, 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 lock shut, no. so I can't open it all the way. She screams. I scream. <laughs> I walk back to the front desk. I'm like, uh, excuse me. And she looked down. She's like, oh, yeah, sorry. I, gave, I, I, made, I made a mistake. I'm like, I'm traumatized here. <laughs> and you get to- that is the beginning of a, a truly, movie. truly. And that was the only place I didn't really feel any hospitality because like she didn't really take care of me after. But she, yeah. I didn't really know how to tell her what I had just seen. I need to talk to a professional about this because you, you need to go. That's, see that's just come up from my subconscious like a shark. Yeah, <laughs> that's a recovered memory. Whew. That's not good. Oh, I'm so sad that yeah. you stayed there. Oh, I wish you there was I, another place for you to go. I did have a great walk with this guy named Richard Grant, who wrote this book called Dispatches from Pluto. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of looked him up and we went for a walk in Jackson. And he is a British writer who's living mm-hmm. in New York. And he moved to this place called Pluto, Mississippi, which is a small town. You know that? Yeah. Yeah. So he he mm-hmm. lived there and he wrote a book about it. It it was fascinating. Like this guy, total culture shock. And he came to really love the community full of insane characters. Read the book. It's a plug. But I, when I went yes. for a walk with him, he had moved to Jackson. And I was like, dude, do you like Jackson? He's like, well, it feels a little bit like everywhere else. You go to a party and people talk about lawn care, whereas in Pluto, People would shoot cannons and they'd come to a party jumping from an airplane. And there is this like real kind of like wild (laughs) craziness about it. These felt kind of like Jackson was suburbia. So I wonder how he, especially a British person moving to the South. Also, fun fact, a lot of, so the word hillbilly actually was in reference to Irish people that lived on hill, like in the mountains, in like Tennessee, so it's their in fault. Kentucky. It's their fault. Well, a lot of ways, like some Southern pronunciation, like if you hear people say like guitar, apparently it came from like old English. Mm. So it was, it's, and there's still sort of that, like there's very much a genteel, very manners forward. Like to my parents, I say, yes, sir. And yes, ma'am, which people like, are not ironically, but like that is non ironically. Yes. You have to do that. It's a sign of respect. Everyone. Wow. Here I hope my that. parents are listening to this right now. Cause don't get any ideas. <laughs> That's really nice though. It's uh, I do kind of envy the idea of like a community that kind of takes care of you a little bit. I'm sure some of it comes with like, okay, you're being kind of nosy, but there's sort of a, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, but there's, there's always that one person that's just like, oh, all yeah. right, you're just being a pain in the ass. But 
I think on the whole, everyone is very giving. And I mean, I experienced that firsthand because I was straight up homeless. And we were like, where are we going to live? And we wouldn't have been able to find a place, at least for the beginning, without people helping us. I think a lot of people feel pretty lonely in big cities and they kind of miss that feeling of community. Yes. Yeah. I mean, everybody's feeling lonely now because we're all isolated in our house. But yeah, I think it's, it's really hard, especially... If you're in a big city and you move and you're an adult, like how Dude, are you supposed to make friends? That's my uh it's my question. One thing I've realized is moving here, like it's tough for me to just like meet someone and like be like, Do you wanna get coffee and talk? Like I need to be like doing something, like working on a play or a campaign yeah. or something. It has to be task oriented because then people are like Oh, are it's the worst. Like or like, and I mean, uh, very happy for like the strides we've made in LGBTQ plus equality, but it's made everything a little confusing. Mm-hmm. It's weird. And most of the time I'm like just trying to trying to be friends. I'm going to tell you one more story because things are just, I'm not sure if this is going to go on the podcast, but it, things are surfacing from my memories. So I, <laughs> yes, I was over please. in Oxford and I joined this thing called the walking club. So you'd go on these on these hikes in Wales. So we went to Wales and there was this guy that we were, he was like a a physician student at Oxford, like a grad student. And we really Mm -hmm. enjoyed chatting with each other. We were sort of walking through the mountains and we really, he was really Mm -hmm. interested in, I'm from America, I'm a slightly Mm -hmm. interesting person. He had really interesting perspectives because he had lived all over (laughs) the world. So we really kind of headed off on this four hour walk. Mm -hmm. And then we get to this tiny little pub after the hike in the like foothills of the Welsh mountains. And he didn't have a like credit card that could scan. So we're all buying lunch, buying beers. I was like, do you know what? Uh-huh. I'll, I'll get your lunch. I'll get your beer. So I get it. And then we get back yeah. to Oxford and mm-hmm. he sends me an email. He's like, I'd, I'd love to pay you back. Just let me know how to do it. And, you know, me trying to make friends. I'm mm-hmm. like, do you know what? Don't worry about it. Let's just let's just go out and grab some drinks. Something yeah. changed then. Um, things got very different. And so there's uh-huh. sort of this like back and forth, like, oh. yeah, maybe I'm a little busy. And then finally, like a month and a half later, he emails me. He's like, uh, I need oh to pay you God. back for that lunch. Let's go get lunch at this place um, on this day. And like, it was it was almost summertime at this point. So the semester was almost over. So we went wow. and we had this excruciating lunch where we were just sitting on the roof of this museum oh, for some reason. And I knew that the only reason that I was there having lunch with him was because he felt like he needed to pay me back, but he wanted to make it very clear that it wasn't a date. Oh, no, that like, uh, that just tells, oh God, that's one thing. Okay, y'all, life is too short. Just tell somebody, hey, I just <sighs> want to be friends with you. It's a hard thing to say though. It's hard. I know. But then that's when you can just like, if you're talking to somebody, just like name drop, be like, yeah, my boyfriend. If you don't have one, that's fine. Just make it up. That way they'll realize you are only mm. interested in them in a platonic sense. Or like, sorry, not to be in- exclusive, yeah. my partner or whoever. You know. <laughs> just lie. That's yes. how you make friends. Just lie. That's such a, I, wish right I, was, that. I wish I knew that before because I, that's, I still wake up in a cold sweat <laughs> thinking about eating that risotto on a... Oh my God. No, I'm so sorry because then it's food and you have to sit there for like at least. Oh, it was like, it was weirdly like minutes. an hour and 20 because I think we were both trying to make it not seem like what it was what <gasps> it was. I no. Yeah, I just no. I just don't know. I don't even remember his name, and we never spoke again after it. Blank anyway, that's what memory. making just, friends feels like yeah. as a late twenties person. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, how did we become friends? Yeah, we, we did. And what were you were you talking 
in your southern accent. Yes. I was sold. <laughs> yep. And then you and then you threw McDonald's on the ground. And then like, I picked it up, right? Guy. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah. As long as it's temporary yes, littering. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> Caroline, thank you for being That's on funny. the show. Do you have anything else that you wanna tell to our listeners about Mississippi or Yeah, just just be nice to people. I think the next time you wanna say something or have you know, you have a preconceived notion about somebody from the South, just stop and think, is this based in fact? And if not, then just don't do that. Thanks for listening. If you have the time, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to engage with us on social media, we are 50statesofmind on Facebook and Instagram and 50statespod on Twitter. Uh, special thanks to Bright Moments for the theme music and our entire team for putting in so much hard work. See you next time.